Good evening. Good evening. How's things out in Addison? Cold. Cold out there too? Is that as far as you can go to, go in Addison? Is that, are you at the edge of Addison? I'm past the edge. You're past the edge. <laughs> well, it's good to be together once again this evening. We will begin with prayer and then get right to our topic. Let's bow. Our holy and gracious Father, we're so grateful. Realizing, Father, every day gifts roll down from you, and we're so thankful. We know, O oh Lord, that every good gift and every perfect gift comes from your mighty hand, and we're, we're so humbled, Lord, and thank you so much. Thank you for giving us life, however brief it is. Thank you for giving us life, breath, and all things. We're grateful for our church family here, and we pray that you would help us all this evening as we open up and as we study together. We're thankful, Lord, we've had a good week and our gospel meeting and focusing on, on marriage, and the family, and youth. We pray, Father, that these lessons will not go by the wayside, but rather we will take them to our hearts. Our families will be stronger and that uh, thereby our church family can be stronger as well. We're grateful, Lord, for the great gift of Jesus, our Savior, who suffered, bled, and died in our behalf. We thank you, Lord, that he became sin in our behalf. And this reminds us, dear God, of your great love. We are eternally grateful. Lord, you know the, the thoughts that surround our hearts. We're continuously praying for those who have lost loved ones, who are grieving, those who are concerned about loved ones and their health. Lord, we pray for our, our people around us, we pray that those who do not understand the gospel may, may come in contact with your word and may be able to understand and, and submit. We pray, Father, that we also may learn more and more of your word and, and be willing to submit and follow you as well. We pray for our cities and states and our districts and country and world, Father, we pray that righteous, righteousness may, may make a comeback. We pray that righteousness can be found, that your word will be shouted abroad. We're thankful most of all, Father, for, for the great hope of heaven, knowing, Father, this earth is is but a little time. And we're looking forward, O oh Lord, to being there with you forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. 
That is our topic, heaven, tonight. We've been looking at different mistakes that religious people make. We all make mistakes. That's why God gives us His Word. The light of His Word can come into our minds and hearts and can help us to understand. So on Wednesday nights, we've been looking at different mistakes that people make about a variety of biblical uh, teachings. We have looked um, at uh, how sin comes into the world and into our lives, and we've looked at that quite a bit. We have noticed the nature of God's kingdom, and we've looked at some lessons on that. Last week, we looked at mistakes people make about miracles. So this evening, some mistakes that people make about heaven, about heaven. I invite your participation as you, as you um, hear these different um, questions. You are most welcome uh, to join in and make appropriate comments, bring up different Bible, Bible verses that can be helpful. All right. Let's get started and open and praying that you all look, um, that you're more alive than what you look. Let's see. Especially Paul here. Let me bring you a pillow next time. You can sleep with your eyes open. That's pretty good. Can anybody else in here sleep with your eyes open? That explains a lot on Sunday mornings. So one mistake that's made about heaven is the thought and belief that heaven will eventually just be on earth. That heaven will be on earth. And there's a growing number of people who believe that earth will be renovated. It will be refurbished. I'm not against the idea of refurbishing. The computers in our house are refurbished computers. They have been cleaned. They have been, some parts have been replaced. They've been updated uh, by other people who know what they're doing. There is some belief out there in the religious world that this earth will be our ultimate home. Okay. And so what should we say about that? Be turning your Bibles to Matthew with me for just a minute. Book of Matthew. The first thing we need to say about that is that that heaven is not earth, and earth is not heaven. Okay, Matthew chapter 5, and let's get this thought in mind, that heaven is not earth, and earth is not heaven. I'm looking down to Matthew 5, 34 and 35. Matthew 5, 34 and 35. Jesus says, but I say unto you, Swear not at all, neither by heaven, for this is God's throne, 
nor by the earth, for this is God's footstool. Neither by Jerusalem, for this is the city of the great king. But notice the difference there. Heaven's not earth, earth is not heaven. Look in chapter 6, Matthew 6 and verse 10, Jesus teaching us to pray. When he says, thy kingdom come, you see that, Matthew 6, verse 10, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay. So heaven's will is in heaven where God is, where God's throne is. And Jesus says we ought to pray that heaven's will would be done on earth. Staying in chapter 6, look down to verse 19. The Lord says, Lay not up treasures, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust does corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal. Heaven's not earth, earth is not heaven. Now, look over to John chapter 14 while you're right there close by, John 14. And notice that Jesus, as he promises heaven, notice what he says. He says, you know this, John 14, the first few verses of John 14 where the Lord says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And then he says what? I go. We underline that. Where is Jesus when he says this? He is standing on earth. The Lord was once here. He lived here. Okay, in a certain time, he lived here. He was standing on earth. But he says, I go to prepare a place uh, for you. So heaven is not here. Where did the Lord go? Where did he go? Where is he at now? He's in heaven. He's on the right hand of God. He's at the throne of God. Okay. Let's see. Flip over uh, to Hebrews chapter 6. I like this little statement in Hebrews chapter 6. Verse 19 beginning, Hebrews 6, 19, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. Where the forerunner, here he is, there's Jesus, where the forerunner is for us, where he entered, even Jesus, who was made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So Jesus is our forerunner, and he has gone ahead of us, to prepare the way. And so we will follow that pathway. Okay. 
If you look over to Hebrews 10 and verse 20, 19, I guess. Hebrews 10, 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holy, holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he has consecrated for us through the veil. That is to say, his flesh. So Jesus in his flesh, he died for us, raised from the dead, ascended up on high. And he prepared the way. He, he kind of carved out a path for us. He's our forerunner. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. So the idea that, that heaven will eventually be on earth just does not fit uh, the scriptures, especially uh, when you consider that the scriptures say that the earth and the universe will be destroyed uh, on judgment day. There'll be no earth here. Okay. And so how many different passages can you think of that teach that? Does one come to your mind? that teaches that the earth and the universe will be destroyed. All right. All right. So let's turn over there. Second Peter 3. As you turn over there, remember that Jesus had said, Matthew 24, 35, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall never pass away. Okay. So Jesus hinted at that already. Look at 2 Peter 3. But the day of the Lord, 2 Peter 3 verse 10 but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Verse 10. But let's just keep reading. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. Notice that word dissolved. What manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and, and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God? Looking, looking forward to that day. Even so come, Lord Jesus. Okay, so on that day, what happens? Verse 12, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved. There's that word dissolve again. And the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Now, going back down here, verse 10, the heavens shall pass away. Pass away. That phrase, most of the time in the New Testament, has an eternal significance behind it. Just like Jesus said, Matthew 24, 35, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Okay. All right, let's see. Before you say anything, 
I wanted to look at Revelation 20. Revelation 20 describes Judgment Day. Verse 10, the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven passed away, fled away, and there was found no place for them. So Revelation 20 verse 11 says that the heaven and the earth will flee away on that day, will pass away, okay. and there'll be no place found in them. And then, Revelation 21, verse 1, I saw a new heaven and new earth, for the first heaven and first earth was passed away. So notice that phrase, passed away, has, has huge ramifications behind it. Okay. So, first question is, those that Okay, if you look in 2 Peter 3, verse 10, Paul's question is, where do they get the idea that earth will be refurbished, re renovated? One, I, one notion is that the last verse of 2 Peter 3, 10 can be translated... The King James here that I have uses the words burned up. Burned up. I think that's the best translation But on that phrase. But other translations will have the word exposed or uh, discovered or found. Or found. And so um, some will take from that word and say... That means renovation. That means, that means um, clearing the way for something new to come in. Okay. They also could get it from the verse that you were just talking about, Revelation 21, verse 1. says the first heaven and earth passed away and there was a new heaven and earth. Okay, so we'll get to that phrase. But the last, let's just suppose that the correct, correct translation is there in 3.10 is the word uh, discovered. Okay. Well, that fits just fine with the idea of judgment because um, when what God's describing here is that the entire planet will be judged. The physical planet will be will be burned it will be it will be it will pass away okay and then the inhabitants of the planet will be exposed they will be discovered they will be found wanting or they'll be found faithful or they'll be found wanting lacking okay so I don't have any trouble myself with that word exposed or discovered being used there because you can't hide from judgment. That's the ideal that Peter's saying here. All this is going to happen, it's going to happen in such a fashion 
that no one's going to be able to escape. No one's going to be able to hide. It will just be a grand, huge, dramatic day. Verse 12. Yeah. In other words, trying to say the earth will continue to last. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. The whole context of verses 10, 11, 12, and 13 uh, has the universe being gone on Judgment Day. I don't see how you can... Um, I don't see I don't see any other way of interpreting it. Right. What about those who say that heaven is real Heavens are happy. We'll come back to that. Let's think about new heavens and new earth. Let's see what you say about that. So if you keep reading here in 2 Peter 3, verse 13, you see that? After he talks about the fervent heat and the elements melting, verse 12, Peter says, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, we look for a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwells righteousness. So some, as Brother Frank said, some might take that and say, well, heaven will eventually be on earth. It's just going to be a new earth. Well, it contradicts the other scripture. Same phrase is used in Revelation 21 and verse 1. First heaven and first earth passed away. So, in other words, new heaven, new earth is simply another way of saying heaven. Okay, it's God's way of saying heaven. It says here in verse 13, wherein dwells righteousness. Okay, that's the promise of heaven especially if you were to compare it to Revelation 22 as heaven is being described in, in 22. Revelation 22, verse 15 says, Outside that blessed city are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and makes a lie. Okay. But verse 14 says, those who, have, who submit to God's commandments and those who are washed by the blood of Jesus have a right to the tree of life and they're inside the gates of the city. So inside the gates of the city is righteousness. Okay. You look at 2 Peter 3.13, the new heavens and the new earth is a place of righteousness. So it's just another way of saying heaven. Just like eternal life is another way of saying heaven, new heavens and new earth is another way of saying heaven. There, there might be a better way of explaining that, but that's, you know, if uh, 2 plus 2 is 4, 
and 3 plus 1 is 4, then 2 plus 2 equals 3 plus 1. So if the promises to heaven is the same thing as the promises that lead, if the promises attached to heaven and the promises attached to new heavens and new earth, it's the same promises, so it's the same thing. If the promises are the same, which they are, then the phrases are the same. So, um, the first mistake we want to notice is that some look at uh, heaven to eventually be a place on earth. But uh, earth won't be here. And that's not our hope. Our hope is not earth. It is uh, heaven. Okay. Now, what was your question again? Okay, so is it similar to someone saying heaven is whatever we make life to be here on this earth? Heaven's not a real place, it's just a happy thought. Is that what they're saying? Yeah. yeah, I've never heard that. Has anybody else heard that? Anybody else encountered that? It's a happy thought. It's not a place, but a happy thought. Now, I've heard several people say that heaven or hell is whatever you make your life on earth, that there is nothing beyond earth. It's just you've got one shot at having your heaven or one shot at having your 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 hell, and that's what you've got before you right now. But the happy thought I had. Anybody else? Yeah, that's that's as plain as day. That's as plain as day. That's very plain. That's what. That's why we went over these passages just to to um, reassure ourselves. But yeah, it's just plain. The earth is not going to be here. Why does he call it New Earth? Yeah. Well, I think he's just saying a, a new place of living. New place of living. Not a new physical earth. But a, he's telling us that heaven will be a dwelling place, but nothing like what we experience now. Well, you've got a new heaven and a new earth. No, nah, he's not saying two different places. He's saying it's... Uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not foreseeing, I don't see any confusion. Are y'all seeing confusion? 
I'm not, I'm not really picking up on any confusion. Yeah. It says, um, 2 Peter 3.10, in which the heavens, plural, will pass away. Okay. So the Bible speaks of heaven in different ways. Matthew 8.20 talks about the birds flying in the air. Okay. That's, that's, a, that's sometimes called heaven. When you go back to Genesis 1 and 14, where the stars and the planets are, that's called heaven. Okay. But the heaven that we have hope in is the heaven where God is, where God's throne is, Matthew 5. We read Matthew 5, 34 and 35. God's throne is in heaven. Okay. And as Mark just referenced, Paul talks about the third heaven in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 2. So the Bible speaks of three kinds of heavens. Where the birds, we look up into the sky and see the birds, that's a heaven. That's going to pass away. Where the sun, moon, and stars are, that's kind of more like the expanse, the universe. That's going to pass away on Judgment Day. But where we want to go is the third heaven, where Paul was talking about, Second Corinthians 12. Go ahead, Larry. First Thessalonians 4, Larry's referring to the Paul speaking in Judgment Day. We'll be called up together with others, meeting the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Right, right. That, maybe we need to add that, that, that the phrase heaven and earth is not to be taken literally, but it's a figurative phrase to point to a new place, a spiritual place of living. Yeah, Houston say in John 14, Jesus said, in my father's house are many mansions, many rooms. Okay. It's a, just a figurative way of saying there's room for everyone who wants to come. And Jesus said, I'll go prepare you a place. Go ahead.
Brent's saying the, the word world can be looked at as country, the idea of country as well, and that, uh, that's exactly how it's described in Hebrews 11, if you want to check that, um, as Abraham, Hebrews 11, beginning in verse 10, he looked for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Okay. And uh, then verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims uh, on the earth. Okay. And then it says, uh, verse 16 of Hebrews 11, but now they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly country where God is not ashamed to be, called, to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. So the, the heavenly home is, is referred to in a number of ways. It's, it's referred to as a, as a place of many rooms, it's referred to as a city, a country, and the new heavens and new earth. It's just a symbolic way of saying, hey, I'm preparing you a very special place where I personally dwell. Another mistake that people make about heaven is to think, and this is similar, but to think that heaven is a physical place. You might hear this at funerals sometimes, you know. Well, he's up there in that big coffee shop in the sky now, you know. Or, or he's up there, on, he's playing, the, he's playing the, the ninth hole up there uh, in heaven now. And I don't know where these thoughts come from, but heaven is not a physical place. But how do we know that? How do we know that heaven's not physical? Hmm? God himself, that's God's place. In my, as Jesus said, this is my Father's house. Okay? So the very nature of God, I think that's what Aaron is saying, and that's so correct. The nature of God, is God physical or spiritual? Absolutely. John 4, 24. God is spirit. We don't know a lot about spirit other than Luke 24, 39 says a spirit does not have flesh and bones. Okay. Luke 24, 39. Remember in the great statement, statements made there in Matthew 16 about Peter saying, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Remember that? And Jesus is going to talk about building his church, but notice in Matthew 16, 17, Jesus said to Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. Okay. Peter had received his information not from flesh and blood, but from my Father in heaven. So where God is, is not a flesh and blood type place. This is God's throne, and that's where we are going. Okay. And so it's not a physical place. The very nature of God's kingdom is not to be um, physical. Okay. Heaven is called, what's it called? It's called, um, it's called the eternal kingdom, 2 Timothy 4.18. I think it's called the heavenly kingdom in 2 Peter 1.11. And we, one thing we've done here on Wednesday night 
is we've been studying the kingdom. Well, the church is the kingdom as we live now on this earth. Okay. And Jesus talked about that in John 18, 36. He said, my kingdom, talking to Pilate, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my service fight. So even as Jesus discussed his church on this earth, we are not to be worldly oriented. We're not to be, as we live in the church, we are not to be this world oriented. We're supposed to be spiritually oriented, even now. Okay. So if the, if the earthly phase of God's kingdom is to be spiritual, then certainly the heavenly phase, the eternal phase of God's kingdom is a spiritual place. Okay. What about your body? What about your body? Hmm? What? Are you going to have a beard in heaven? A spiritual beard. Never heard that before. Have you ever heard the idea of a spiritual beard? But that's another thing the Bible clearly teaches, such as in Philippians 3, 21, that this earthly body, this lowly body, Philippians 3, 20, 21, this lowly body will be changed, will be transformed by the power of God to be made a spiritual body, okay. a, a body like Jesus has. Okay. And 1 Corinthians 15 talks a lot about that as well. But when you put those together, the nature of God, the nature of the kingdom, and the nature of our future body, okay, a lot of things will be happening on Judgment Day. Okay. There's be a resurrection of everybody. Our bodies are going to be changed. The earth is going to be destroyed. We're going to be ushered up before the throne of God, Judgment Day, in a simultaneous way. It's, it's, it is, no wonder we sing, there's a great day coming, a great day coming. I mean, it's going to be the greatest day. Okay. And part of that is our bodies will undergo a change. Okay. Now, so it's not a physical place, but others teach that. Um, what have you heard about the Islamic heaven? What have you heard about Muhammad and what he, he persuades people to think about in regard to heaven? What have you heard? Well, if you read anything about Muhammad, you read about heaven being a beautiful garden, waterfalls, and, and just a paradise, and what else? Hmm? Yeah, beautiful virgins waiting on you. Beautiful virgins waiting on you. Okay. Um, some people have labeled this as the bedroom heaven. That's how Muhammad described, describes it. He, and so he looked at it as a place of absolute physical uh, satisfaction. But that's not, that's not the sense. But there's a danger for us too because are we going to enjoy heaven? How is it that we're going to enjoy heaven if if we're putting all of our, if we put all of our, our energy toward 
uh, earthly things and we're not focusing on the spiritual, then are we going to enjoy heaven? We know there's going to be singing in heaven. Are we going to enjoy singing? There's going to be the ultimate presence of, of, of the Spirit and the Lamb of God and God the Father. Do we enjoy their presence now? Do we enjoy being in the Word of God? And so we must, as Paul says in Colossians 3 and verse 1, if, you've been, if you are risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not things on the earth. So heaven's not to be a physical place. What about this mistake? Some people say that, that uh, you can go to heaven, take a peek, and come back to earth right now and tell about it. You ever heard that? Is it possible for someone to experience heaven and come back to earth and and, um, and tell about it. Does the Bible have anything to say about that? Brother Mark was mentioning a moment ago, in 2 Corinthians 12, Paul said that he was caught up unto the third heaven. And I believe as you read Revelation 4, John said as he, as he, uh, as God had preparing him to see visions of heaven, that God said, John, come on up here. Come on up here, John. But we expressed and looked at last week in regard to miracles a very important principle. Okay? And that is this, that what God has done in the past, whatever he has performed in the past at certain times, doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to do those very things in our day. And you might recall we, the example, the, the very plain example, Genesis 2, verse 7, God created man out of the dust of the ground, created a woman out of, out of Adam's rib. Okay, that's how he had created in the first place, but that's not how people come to the earth now. Okay. Back when God's people, Israel, were wandering in the wilderness, how did God feed them? Yeah, manna from the sky. God still feeds us today, but not in the same, same fashion, right? And so just because God has done one thing one time doesn't mean he continues to do that. Okay, so a lot of difference in biblical time in our time today. So no, you can't just go to heaven and take a peek and come back and tell people. But we don't need anybody to do that because we, as we sing, we read of a place called heaven. So we read of that place. Remember in Genesis 5, you read about Enoch. He walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Okay, but that's not the pathway to heaven for the rest of mankind. That was just an unusual uh, event. Plus, if you read in Luke um, 16, you remember the account Jesus gives of the rich man and Lazarus and both died. And where did the rich man end up? Torments. And where did Lazarus end up? Okay. In Abraham's bosom. And what was the request of the rich man? 
Yeah, can you send Lazarus back to warn my brothers? Okay. All of a sudden, he was very evangelistic, wasn't he? But he was not allowed to go. You, couldn't, you cannot pass from, from place of torment to the place of comfort. You cannot pass from... Once, once we leave this realm, we can't go back. working on that. Um, yeah, I think it does. It does say in Revelation 21 that God himself, his glory is the light of heaven. And then... What if someone said that I just don't believe there is heaven? I just don't believe there is heaven. Brother Paul, what would you say? I just don't believe there is a place called heaven. What would our response be? Okay, so first, you could talk about the integrity of the scriptures. Okay. And if you can, if you can talk with the, about that with confidence, then that should grow your confidence in, in heaven. It's not our bodies that's going to go to heaven, but rather, it comes down to our personalities, right? Doesn't it come down to whether or not we believe that do we have a personality? Is there more to us than just our bodies? And then, if that's the case, then does that, does that personality, when we die, does that end? Or does our personality continue? Another word for personality would be soul. A personality is what we think, feel, and choose. We, that's, we use our personality, our soul, gives us the ability to think, feel, and choose. Does that die when our body dies, or does it continue? The soul never dies. Okay. If if our soul, if our personality just ends when we die, then is there any meaning in life at all? Would there, is, wouldn't that just make life a total puzzle? As, that's right. You've got a personality because you've got a soul. What makes you a person? It's not... Is your soul? Is your soul? 
your personality keeps on. Not your physical body, not what you see in the mirror, thankfully. But, but the, <laughs> that was ugly? Okay. Can you put in order for hair? We sing the song, I'll live on. Yes, I'll live on. And that's not referring to our physical self, but our, our spiritual self, our, what makes us a person, what makes us, what makes us who we are, how we talk, how we think, things we do. That, that'll continue to live on, one place or another, either torments or comfort. I guess I should stop now.